talk about um, sharing Jesus at work and kind of what that's been like for me a little bit. So I want you to think a little bit, and then as you're thinking, you can come up here and write down some of your thoughts. So the first thing is, when you think about the workplace, what, come, what things come to mind? Just jump up and come write some stuff. Like the workplace, your place of employment. Okay, that's good. So we have professionalism, political, casual Friday, communication, cubicle, actually using my degree. Ooh, fathom that. Money, wages, collaboration, free coffee in the break room is always good. And driven. Okay. Perfect. So that's that's the workplace. Um, now on the other side, I want you to think about that workplace. Think about some of the things you wrote down. And then on the other side, I would like you to write what comes to mind when you think about sharing your faith in Jesus in that workplace. Go ahead. Good. There's some really there's good stuff in there. When you say legality, is that like it's not legal to share your faith at work? That kind of thing? Yep. Okay. You know, it's interesting. I, maybe you guys heard about this too. I just heard this on NPR the other day about some, I think it happened in Minnesota, some employees who are suing their company because they wouldn't allow them to um, go, like, to pray during the work day. Um, so they would have their their hour of prayer, maybe not even an hour, I don't remember how long it was, but they're suing their workplace because of that. And then I was thinking, if I, as a believer, had to have that time where I would go pray and I was suing my company for not letting me do that, like, it would never work. You know, that would be a different kind of radio report, right? So, interesting that, and at school, I, I'm a teacher at Mounds View High School, and um, we have, every Friday, there are a certain <coughs> group of Muslim kids who get to leave about 45 minutes early from school for prayer time. They go to their mosque or wherever they go, and that's completely fine, and nobody bats an eye. So, kind of interesting. Um, so, is it really... I think sometimes we make a little bit too big of a deal out of that as believers, like, oh no, you know, for me, it's an excuse. I don't think I'm going to share my faith because probably not allowed, like, I can't do that as a teacher anymore, but it's really not true. So that's kind of what we want to, um, what I want to talk just a little bit about today because you guys are in such a cool time in your lives. College was one of the best times of my life. I loved it because you're... You're kind of in this bubble, surrounded by people who are the same age as you, and you know, you're trying to find the cute guys and the cute girls who you might spend the rest of your life with, and you're figuring all this stuff out. Not cute, but good. Good people. You're studying the rest of your life Because <laughs> cute doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> That's not what I read. But I got you back. I got you back to the cow Um... So you're at a really pivotal time in your lives that's very, very exciting, but also very scary. And I, as I was sitting there listening to um, Larry, or not, not yeah, Peter, <laughs> I was thinking about 
uh, how you guys were, you know when we're all like at home with our families, we're like in this little nest. And then they say, as you guys have left your homes, you know, people talk to your parents, oh, you're going to have an empty nest now, you know, like your nest is, there you go, you guys have flown the coop, flown out of the nest, and then I feel like college is sort of like a field. So you're in this field, and the field is bigger than your little nest, right? And you have more room to run, you have more room to explore, you have more things to figure out. But then now, for a lot of you who've graduated or who are going to graduate soon, you're going from a field to really the world, right? And the world is so much bigger than the field. But I love that. I love that model of, in, in education, we call it gradual release. So we give you a little bit, and we give you a little bit more, and then you do it all on your own, okay? It's very cool. So <clears throat> when I think about my, um, <coughs> my past jobs, the first job I ever had, I grew up in Europe, and um, nobody worked there because you were so focused on your studies. So I never worked as a, a high school student or anything because there just wasn't time. So when I, I moved to the States to go to college, I went to a Bible college in West Virginia, and my first job, my first two summer jobs were working for the um, U.S. Navy in Boston as a computer programmer, which is totally out of my realm. This was in 1998. And um, then I also worked at Michael's. And honestly, as I was thinking back to that, I don't think it was really on my radar to be there and show Christ to these people. I don't have a conscious memory of that. The person who helped me get the job at the Navy was a believer. People knew he was a believer at work. I, just, I was just kind of there for the summer. So I was kind of thinking through some of my jobs and thinking, okay, how much of a um, priority was sharing the gospel at my job? So this didn't really, you know, I really, I remember the free coffee in the break room at the Navy. That was really good. And I remember making a lot of money. That was, that was a good, that's why I took that job. Um, but then after that, um, I kind of, I worked at a Christian camp for a couple years. And, you know, there you're always sharing the gospel. Like, that's kind of an easy thing because it's your job to have your campers help them ask them lots of questions, and share the gospel with them. Well, then, um, my first real job where I remember I need to be a light for Christ was I was working at Starbucks as a barista in Chicago when Dan and I, um, right before Dan and I got married. And it was such a dark place that I think it was automatic that I stood out. I had lots and lots of colleagues who had multiple abortions, were just super messed up, really into drugs. You come to work and you think, how can you even stand up straight and make a coffee? Um, and it was really hard because they thought I was weird for not being broken like they were. Um, but I was really scared, and there wasn't really a lot of time to share a lot about Christ, at least that I remember. This was about 16 years ago. So then we got married, moved to Wisconsin, and I started a job as a substitute teacher and loved it. Uh, then, so the other thing that has been super cool and helpful for me is my husband is a youth pastor, was a youth pastor in Wisconsin, okay? Growing up, my parents were missionaries. Um, so I always had an instant something springboard to share the gospel. And I think that's key, that is really helpful but now I have to decide, am I going to use that 
or not. Because I can say, what, you know, people can say to me, what does your dad do? Oh, he's a pastor. Oh, what kind of pastor is he? Oh, it's just like a Bible-believing church. Oh, cool, done, right? Or people say to me now, what does your husband do? And I, I can say, he works at the U with international students. Sometimes I say that, depending on the situation, right? Because he does. Or I can say, we are both part of a ministry called Campus Outreach. Oh, what's that? You know, and then go into it deeper and actually use that as a springboard to share the gospel. So always have a springboard to help you. Um, but the, the things with like this, the scary, the difficult, the risky, the sweat, the vulnerability, the awkwardness, um, I definitely felt that in my first job. So I love teaching and I can, if I'm not careful, I can find a lot of identity in being a teacher and not in being a child of God. So in my first teaching job, I really wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be thought of as a really great teacher. Um, I wanted to keep my job, right? I, wanted, I was kind of trying to figure things out. I didn't quite know where I fit. Everybody else was super experienced. Everybody else knew each other. And so I wanted to fit into that. And when you guys are coming out of college, I think you feel that way too. You have, no, you have little to no experience. You may have done some things in college that give you that experience, so you're like low on the totem pole already. And you don't want to be lower on the totem pole, you know, by being a weird Jesus person, right? At least that's what comes to my head. Um, and also in my first teaching job, the principal kind of stood in the way of a lot of things, so I would try to get um, some C with the pole stuff going. It was me and one other teacher who showed up at C with the pole. Do you guys know what C with the pole is? Yeah. It was the most awkward thing. So we're standing by the flagpole, like praying and all these students are walking by staring at us and then one little boy whose dad was in charge of the Christian radio station in Wausau came up and stood by us. It was so, I still remember that. It was a long time ago. It was so awkward. And the principal hated that we were doing that and, that, and we tried to start a fellowship of Christian athletes group at that middle school. She said, nope, you can't because um, then we're going to have the Wicca people asking us. We're going to have all kinds of crazy people asking us to start Bible studies. And I'm like, you know, so sometimes you have those people standing in the way, so you have to have the wisdom to know, you know, do I go with it or do I not? And um, accountability, too, so that other teacher was really helpful for me. The other thing that's really hard in a workplace, too, is sitting around the table in the lunchroom. You're sitting there eating lunch, and you have, the only thing you have in common with most of those people is that you have the same job. You're all teachers. So you talk about that stuff, and then they start talking about what they did over the weekend, and then there's also a lot of choice words that are being used. You know, you've all been in those situations, right? And I have to decide, okay, am I gonna just sit there and be quiet or am I gonna say something that agrees with them? Or am I going to share something about my life or about something that I did with, you know, my small group or my church or something over the weekend? And I have not always made good decisions about that. So, um, one verse that um, struck me a long time ago, probably, probably when I was in college or when I was in high school, is Romans 10, 14, and I think you all know it. How, how, but how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And this is the part, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching, or somebody telling them, right? I might be, you guys might be the only one that people meet that can tell them about Jesus. We have no idea. There's a student in my class, in my class this, um, this school year, who had no idea what Christmas was about. He's a senior in high school, had never, he knew Christmas, but he never knew that we kind of celebrate, you know, Jesus came to the earth to that, to be born as a baby, etc. No clue. So I told him that in school. That's why, that's where Christmas came from, right? So I might be the, I'm the first person that he ever heard that from. And he's, he was born in America, grew up in America, and is 18, and never heard that before. So um, how can they believe in somebody they've never heard of? So why do, you got, why do we get jobs, you think, as a believer? Why are you guys all going to have a job, at least for a while? Or why do I have a job? Yeah, student loan, <laughs> for sure. And why else? Like, why, why are you guys, yeah? Because we're passionate about something. Exactly. You're passionate about something. And most likely, that's the major you picked, right? And that's why you picked it, because you're passionate about it. And then, you're getting a job, and as a believer, how is, that, how is your passion being used in the workplace? To, fur, to make you know, more money, to further what they're trying to do, and... I'm going to say the primary way to serve the world. Mm-hmm. Like, that you use your life. True. Like, be productive, and yep. like, that other people. You try to, like, make products or make things that like help people or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, for sure. And to feel like like you're contributing, right? And to feel useful. I mean, none of us, we all love sleeping in and dragging around at home, right? But we don't want to do that. God has not made us to do that for the rest of our lives. So we were, God uses our interests and our talents in a job to bring glory to him, right? And he puts us in those places to be able to share him with other people. And some of these people may never hear without us telling them. So that's a really big motivator for me. Like sometimes I think, what if I'm the only one who could ever tell them this? Um, So currently in my job, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I have felt like I don't even care. If I get called into the principal's office, I don't care. Um, So I try to take any opportunity I can to share anything. So for example, in December, two girls were in a really bad car accident that you may have, or three girls were that you may have heard about in Mount, at the Mount Zoo School District. And they, two of the three girls passed away. They died instantly. And the driver of the car survived. So they were all juniors at Mount Zoo High School and the whole school was just, it was horrible. It was a horrible, horrible time. But I was able to talk with my students the next day about the purpose in life. Like, why are you guys still all here? Why are we here? You know? And I try to pick, I know I have one believing student in my class for sure. I might have a couple more. But I try to throw things out there and then hope, like I've kind of made a little bargain with her, that she will then ask further questions. She hasn't always uphold her end of the bargain. <laughs> So try to find those people that you can connect with in the workplace to help you. Accountability is huge. And I've been trying to do that this year, too. It's my first year at Mounds U, so going around trying to figure out who are the believers. And you can find them. 
pretty easily, but have that accountability with them. And you're a teacher, right, Ben? Yep. So have it, you can you pretty easily tell too from the get-go kind of who the students are who might have some sort of moral value at least. And then you kind of, you know, whittle down from there and can figure out, okay, I think they love Jesus. And that's helpful to have that support so you know you're not you're not on your own. So um, I always tell my students too, I am there to teach them life lessons. I teach French. But if they, when they're your age, if they remember how to say bonjour and merci and that's all, I want them to remember the life lessons they learned in my class. And if some of those life lessons can be around like, well, where is your identity? You can't find your identity in stuff or who you are or your job or your performance or whatever, uh, your accomplishments. You need to find your identity somewhere else. Where do you think you could find your identity? You know, like discussions like that. Um, or lessons on honesty or... Things like that. Um, another verse I want to talk to you about is 2 Peter 1, 3. And it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So his, I have, I look at this and I'm sweaty and I am awkward, and I think my conversations are fruitless, and they're difficult, and it's a duty, and I don't really want to do it, and it's risky, but I have the ability to be what I am not and to do what I can't do. How do I have that ability? Through what? What does 2 Peter 1, 3 say? Through his... Read it again. Starts with a D. Oh, sorry, I didn't yeah, divine power. Through God's divine power. I have the ability to be what I am not and to do what I can't do. And this past weekend, um, our family went to a family camp at Camp Four Springs. And Jill and Stuart Briscoe, have you heard of that name? Their, their pastor, Stuart Briscoe was a pastor at a big church, Eagle Brook, in Milwaukee. And now they travel around the world and speak. And they are, they're both, I think his wife, Jill, is 85 and he's 87. And they are still traveling around the world, sharing the gospel and speaking to people about the Lord, which is amazing. So this is something that either Jill or Stuart said and was pointing to that verse. And I thought that was really impactful as I think about um, sharing the gospel in the workplace. So we have, we have the power, and we have that power through Christ. So we have to tap into that power by spending a lot of time in here and praying like um, Peter was talking about earlier. Um, one other thing that Jill also said is the impact of my life depends on how well I know God. So if other people see and know I love God, will I have a greater impact on their lives? Yeah, because I am working through the power of Christ and not my own power. And if I know him well, he's, my, he's the number one thing I want to talk about, right? I always say, if I won the lottery... I would want everybody to know, besides the fact that it's probably not really a great idea to buy lottery tickets and play the lottery, but I want you all to know that, like, hey, I just won $5 billion playing the lottery. Like, that is so cool, right? So why am I scared and sweaty and awkward to talk about Jesus and tell people about that if he's my number one thing? Um, another thing Jill said, I want everyone who comes into the orbit of my life to hear about Jesus. So think about your life. 
and think about the orbit of your life and the people who are in your life, okay? And that, that group is going to only get bigger as you become more involved in the workplace and, and get older. Um, try, to be, try to have your focus be, I want to be remembered for knowing Jesus, not for being a great engineer or being a wonderful um, volunteer or being a great teacher or being an, a top executive. I want to be remembered for knowing Jesus. Um, the, another thing that they were talking about is courage. And I think so much, oh, I just need courage. I need to be brave and go into the, my classroom and, and the lunchroom and be like, okay, I got this. I can share the gospel. But Jill was saying, Jill um, this weekend was saying, obey and the courage will come. So there's multi, you could do a whole study on evangelism in the Bible and sharing the gospel. And um, we just need to obey and the courage will come after that. We don't need to have courage and then go because God will give you the courage as you do it. So do the right thing scared out of your mind because you know Romans 8.26 says that the Spirit will help you in your weakness, right? And when we're weak, we see God's strength coming through us. So um, Romans 7 also says we have the desire but not the ability to do to do good things. We all desire to share the gospel, right? You guys all want other people to know about Jesus. But so much of the time we think, oh, I just, I just can't. I don't have the ability to do that. So you can keep praying that God will give you very, um, very specific direct opportunities to share the gospel. And I was thinking about that a few weeks ago. And actually that week, I had a teacher named Linda, she's Chinese, come up to me at school one day and say, so do you love Jesus? Just like totally out of the blue. And I said, well, guess what? Actually, I do. And we had a huge conversation about it. I got my Bible out. We were standing in the middle of the hallway, full of students. I had my Bible out showing her verses. Nobody cared. It was great. Um, and then I was talking to a Chinese student who's here. He's a fellow working at the U. And um, he said... He said to me, I was telling him a little bit about our family and our story, and my, I have a daughter in a wheelchair telling him about her, and he said, how can you be so happy if you have a daughter in a wheelchair who can't do anything? And I said, well, guess what? On a lot of days, I'm not happy. I'm definitely not happy, and I am, I'm not happy about that, but I can have joy, and you know how I can have joy? Because I know that this was God's plan, and I, kidding, like, God's plan? What? I don't think I said that. But I can show him that through my relationship with Christ, I can have joy despite my circumstances. So just do it. Obey. The courage will come. You can't do it on your own strength. Um, but have, like, as you go out into the workplace and start on that journey, kind of have that mindset of, this is why I'm here. This is why God has given me a job, to use the passions that he's given me and my strengths as a person to um, bring glory to him and to share him with other people. So I will pray that he would give us strength every day. It's an everyday decision too, right? It's not like, okay, I'm good for the next 50 years when I work in the shop. I'm going to share the gospel. No, definitely not. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for all these students who are here. And thank you for um, putting us in the world and for using us despite ourselves. Thank you that you're the one who give us, gives us the courage to be what we aren't and do what we can't do and for giving us the strength 
through your power to share the best gift that anybody can receive um, through, through you and a relationship with you. Help us to be faithful in doing that. Help us not to worry about um, the legal system or how we look or how we might appear to other people. Help us to be faithful and help us um, just give us strength to obey you and do what you said. And um, thank you that you have given us fear as well. And uh, in that, because of that fear, we know that we are weak and that we can't do it on our own. Thank you so much for giving all of these students here uh, lots of abilities and talents and passion. And I pray that they will always direct it toward you and seek out other people who can help them and who they can be accountable to. And thank you for all the things that these students teach us too, because we are all very aware that age does not equal wisdom. And we have, they have much wisdom to share with with us and older people as well. So I just pray that you will use them this summer with TCP and um, give them courage in the jobs that you've placed them in this summer and in the people um, in the orbits of their life. Help them to be open to sharing and inviting them to different events and um, being on, on their turf and our turf and a neutral place, help these relationships to be built this summer and to grow. And um, I pray that they would see you through um, all of these students' lives. In your name I pray, amen.